You've got your new reading, uh, the reading plan for, for this coming month, March and April. Well, I don't know about you, but this week as I was reading through Matthew 15, and I, I was reading through the story of the Canaanite woman, she had a, an understanding of Jesus that went beyond what everyone else was seeing. Everyone else was just seeing a rabbi. They were seeing someone, yeah, who's a good man, who's, who's, uh, who's maybe a prophet. She saw something more, didn't she? Because if we read in, this, in that, that story there in, in Matthew 15, she, uh, she, she, she knows she needs something from God. She needs a touch from God. She needs something special. She needs a word. She needs a, a, a grace. She needs a miracle. Her child has a problem. And so she asks him for mercy. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession, she says. This is in verse uh, 22. And Jesus, sometimes he, he says things that are almost shock us. You know, some preachers like to do that. Don't they? They, you know, they, they, they say stuff just to, are you awake out there? You know, just kind of get things going, just stir things up a little bit. And he said, uh, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman comes and kneels before him and he says, it's not right to give to dogs. That's interesting. When was the last time someone called you a dog? Did you react very nicely? She did. She said, because her response was, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. So what she said, she called him master. She called him master. She, she saw something in Jesus she saw something of that mark of God on him. Her faith, Jesus said, produced the miracle. Because of your faith, and he gave her the miracle she was after. She was after seeing her child delivered. She wanted to see something of the power of God revealed. And Jesus simply spoke a promise. He didn't even lay hands. He didn't touch. He didn't even pray. I mean, come on. At least pray for me, my child. And Jesus said, no, what you've asked for, you've got it. That's it. I don't know about you, but I think I might have wanted a little bit more. But she went and took him at his word. And that, that very hour, we read elsewhere uh, in, uh, in verse 20, 28, it says, her daughter was healed that very hour. You see, the, the precious promises... That's where it talks about it in, uh, in 2 Peter 1. It says in 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Beautiful scriptures that I keep on repeating so often, uh, especially if anyone that's been at our uh, uh, partnership class. We're at the last partnership class tonight, so there'll be a new class coming up soon. You don't get hooked into the the plans that God's got for you, those plans are going to hook in with the church uh, plans because that's how God works. He has a plan for our life. He's got a plan for the church. He brings the two together to really see things happen. But what does it say here in 2 Peter 1, 
verse 3 and 4. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature and so escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And if you just turn back with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Two Corinthians, not one Corinthians. Two Corinthians, one. And starting at verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him... It has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Wow, what is, these, these are incredible promises. But you see, the thing about a promise, a promise, as we see here, these promises, are a deposit. Now, I don't know about you, but if you go and make a deposit, what do you have to do? You have to go and give some money over, don't you? How many of you ever actually look at the money that you give? I mean, these days we so rarely put our credit cards through or debit cards. But have we got? Here's a picture of a ten-pound note. And uh, a ten-pound note. Do you know that piece of paper has absolutely zero value? On it, I don't know if we can zoom into that top bit. It says, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of £10. That piece of paper is not £10. That piece of paper is a promise of £10. But we exchange that piece of paper and we buy goods. We walk out of a shop with something that costs £9.99, having given that £10 note and we get that penny back. The penny is about worth a penny. But that piece of paper that we handed over has zero value except it has a promise on it. That promise, it's one of the nice things. I was looking at the American dollar and it says it's legal tender. What does that mean? (laughs) What we've got is a promise. (laughs) I love teasing the Americans. You know these promises... But God's promise, the, the promise of that pound, I mean, right now, the, I think the pound just dropped in value, didn't it? The little bit of bad news, little piece of bad news, and we're not sure how much it's worth. 
But what we know is if we take that pound, that ten pound along to the Bank of England, we can actually demand ten pounds of gold from them if you really want to go and do it. That's what it is. It, it, there will be an exchange if you actually go wrong. And the reason we do it is to make it safer that someone won't steal your ten pounds very easily. That was the that was the idea that it was written on certain banks that you could take these notes and pass them around. You could go from one place to another and and they would give you that £10 from whichever bank it was drawn on. You took a letter of credit, a letter of promise that this bank will pay this bank over here if that bank will give you £10 in gold so that you can go and give it in different places. That's what our money is. Our money stood, stands for the integrity of the government. And so when the integrity of the government goes down, the value we associate to the money that we have goes down. When the integrity of the government is rising, when we see the economy or just the leadership, because it only has to take some good leadership in the country for the value of the pound to go up, or a scandal... And it goes down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so fickle in, in the markets, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what we see is that the backing, the backing of that £10 note actually is the perception of how likely it is that the government can fulfill its promises. So we measure two things, really, is do we, from what we know of the character, believe that the promises will work, that they will fulfill them? And secondly, does that person actually have the power to do what they say? So their character, will they actually be the kind of person that will follow up their promise? And two, do they have the power to do what they're promised? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Power and character. You see, you may have all the power, but you're the kind of person that never fulfills your word. You ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. You might be great with all your promises. You're right there. But frankly, you've got no power. Not a lot of help. But we know that our God is the kind of person who oversees every single one of his promises. You say, behind his name, or in his name, is what? Both integrity and power. This is what Jesus has told us, is how prayer works. Jesus told us very clearly, that in his name, we are to pray. He gave us not just promises to participate in, not just promises to grab a hold of and repeat to other people, but actually a name by which we are to be known and we are to use. You see, this is the amazing thing that if anyone is in Christ, what we see is is that there is a name by which we are saved, 
we are born again into the family. You know, my name's Alan Morton. My dad is actually here this morning. It's great to have my mom and dad here for a change. And someone was, um, Pastor Sheila was, was saying, she spoke to my dad before, and she said, like, talking to me and talking to my dad is like the one and the same. <laughs> Hopefully, there was a little bit more integrity from me. Oh! <laughs> oh, how funny. Hopefully, we actually, in carrying the family name of the heaven, Reflect the integrity, character, and power of the Son of God. You see, if anyone is part of the family name, family of God, then that name belongs to us. If you are born again, you are born again into the family. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And Romans tells us that the Spirit tells us, Romans 8, verse 25, 28, says that the Spirit says that we are sons of God. We just read that. We participate in his divine nature. The Spirit producing these things in us. So what we see is that we have a fourfold right. Firstly... We're born again into the family of God, therefore we have the name of God as part of us. But secondly, if we're baptized, we are baptized into the name of God. If you, if you just uh, pull up uh, Acts 19, verses 4 and 5. Acts 19, verses 4 and 5. Jesus' baptism... It's interesting, Paul, when he comes to the, the, to the church, he says, whose baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. And Jesus said to them, John's baptism was for the repentance of sins. But he, John, told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, these people were re-baptized into Christ. This is the gospel. Not that Jesus died for us, but what it says in, in Romans 10.10, 10, if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes that Jesus has been raised from the dead, not just that he died for our sins, but he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And you see, this is what baptism about. Baptism about is about the joining with Christ in his death and not just being left under the water, but being lifted back up out of the water to the new life, raised in Christ, to a new life. Baptism is the symbol of the death and resurrection of Christ. And so through baptism, we gain a second right to that name because we are baptized into Christ. It's, it's, it's like us suddenly becoming one of the pages in this Bible. There are different things in this Bible. It can't be seen anymore. There's the reading plan. I put it in the Bible. It's now in it as part of it. You can't see it anymore. It's part and parcel of that Bible. And so what we see is that there's this second thing, that we begin to have a second right to this name. 
this name of Jesus. And then thirdly, and it's the scripture that we're speaking out over this year, Jesus, in Matthew 28, verse 20 onwards, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have taught you to obey. And lo, I am with you to the very ends. So what we find is we've been born again into the family, we've been baptized into Christ, and we have been commissioned. We have been commissioned to use this name that is above every name. Commissioned by Christ to go and do works. Go and do the very things that God's got for us. It's... We've had that name conferred upon us so that when we go and we speak, we speak the words of Jesus to the people as if it was Jesus himself stood there. It's called the power of attorney. It's called the power of attorney. It is not a simple uh, uh, promise But it is a power-based promise. It is a legal promise. It is so, so powerful. It is literally that when we sign something and we give someone the power of attorney, we actually say on that document, that power of attorney, it says, this is what they can sign for. This is what I'm asking them to do. And when they ask you to do something, it's as good as if I asked you to do something. It was interesting last week as the children were there. Pastor Becky, she said to, uh, to, of Tammy, she said to the congregation, all of us, whatever Tammy says, you have to do. Because if Tammy says it, It's as good as if I, Pastor Becky, have said it. And if I, Pastor Becky, had said it, it's as good as Pastor Alan saying it. And if Pastor Alan said it, it's as good as Jesus himself saying it. You see, that's how delegated authority works. None of us are able to operate outside of the spec that we are given. That's what it means with a power of attorney. That power of attorney allows you to go and buy the house even though the owner, the one who's actually buying it, is in a different country, you can access their bank account, but only for that particular job. It isn't the owner of the building that actually signs the contract. It is the person who has the power of attorney. And they don't sign it in the other person's name. They put their own name on that. But it is the same as if the person who's on holiday or uh, in another country or incapacitated or whatever it is, as if they themselves were there physically signing it, it's legally binding on them, it's legally binding on the person who's selling. It, It is in all parts of the law, nothing can stop that being fulfilled. And that's what Jesus said when he commissioned us He gave us 
authority to use that name. And it says in Mark 16, to cast out demons, to pick up all kinds of poisons, to, to have uh, even snakes bite you or whatever. Not that we, we don't want to go chasing after these weird things, do we? Okay? But Paul, in the midst of lighting a fire, a snake bites him in Acts. And he just shakes it off. The sign and the wonder, everyone looking and waiting for him to die. And he didn't. What did it do? It gave him the ability to speak into the whole island. You see, we don't go going after the miracles for the sake of us looking good. But God loves to make you and me look amazing in front of our friends, neighbors, by doing a miracle through us. When they say, I've got a headache, and you go, I'm just going to pray for you in Jesus' name, be healed. How's your head? Oh, uh, and the person kind of realizes, something just changed. Because you dared to use your authority, that name, and God did the miracle. You see, I don't have the power. You don't have the power. Jesus does. That's the name that God has given us. And then, Jesus, in Acts, he commissioned us as ambassadors. He commissioned us as ambassadors, not just to do deeds but to speak, to herald, to proclaim. And, and in John, uh, John 16, Jesus went even further. He said, whoever you forgive is forgiven. Whoever you do not forgive is not forgiven. Then in calling us to be priests, to be ambassadors, to be apostles, so to speak, that's what the word translates as. This sent nature, this sent anointing, carries the name when we speak. So when we pray, something happens. But when we speak and we teach or preach, we understand that God himself is providing understanding and revelation that the words that we speak are not our words not even spoken with our understanding and revelations but as we speak something goes beyond our abilities and powers to explain and reaches those words right into people's hearts the word of the lord is sharp living Powerful. It cuts between spirit and soul, right to the very bone and marrow. It's living and powerful and active. The name by which we speak has both character and power. This is the name that we've been given that actually we need to look into a little bit more. This is the name, this integrity, the integrity of the person who promises matters. This is why we pray. We're believing. You know, the, we, we, we take uh, this promise with regards to a piece of bread and, and, a, and a sip of juice or, or wine. 
And we understand that when we take communion, there is tremendous power unleashed, unlocked into people's lives just by taking communion. How can a piece of bread and a bit of juice or wine produce power? The miracle's not in the bread. The miracle's not in the cup itself. The miracle is in the promise that whoever takes it in a worthy manner, what does he receive? All the blessings of Jesus. All the power of the gospel. Whatever Jesus has is yours. Not what's mine. I haven't got anything. But as you receive that cup, the cup, it doesn't turn into Jesus' physical blood. But a miracle still happens none the same, doesn't it? That's the sign and the wonder. That's the miracle that God backs up communion in this way. That transforms. That's why people got into some strange ideas theologically. That, you know, this consecrated bread and this, they, 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 don't, they couldn't get their head around it. And they sort of built up the, the theory of transubstantiation. But the miracle is not in the bread. The miracle is in your faith. That the sign and the wonder of God. How can it be that the laying on of someone's hands can produce a miracle? How can it be that just coming to a stage or coming to the front and kneeling before God that you can receive forgiveness? Just because someone says you're forgiven. How can a man say... I forgive you. And you receive that as being God. You see, everything's in God's name. The name that God has exalted above every name. The name of Jesus. And if you're not born again today, if you don't know this Jesus, if you don't understand that he, you see, this, this is what he asked his own disciples. He said, who do men say I am? You're a good man. You, you do some great miracles. You're a prophet. Yeah, you speak some amazing teaching. And, and he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter came up with this confession. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the one in whom everything that God spoke about, everything that he said is totally and completely fulfilled. Every promise you are those promises physically right here and right now. You are God's promises moved out of the future into the here and the now, right in front of me in a way that I can actually touch and receive. You see, when we get born again, that's what it means. Jesus becomes here and now. That's what it means to become born again. Jesus exchanges his life now for your life. Salvation's not something in the future. Salvation comes from the future right into here and now and changes your past. That is the power of God.
That is the name of Jesus, set above every name. We know everyone's going to die and be before the throne, but today is that day of judgment, transformation, and release from every opposition that stands against you and against me. That today, his stripes can heal you. Today, his blood speaks of a better sacrifice than blood of bulls and goats that not just covers over a bit of the past but completely removes and separates you from your past. The name of Jesus, that's the first thing. If you are born again, if you are born again, you are now given a new name and a new character. And if anyone, let's just take a time, just, just a moment, just, everybody just close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus, we just want to make that opportunity. Maybe all your life, you, yet you've believed in Jesus. You've been taught about him. You believe, yep, God came. But it's not the same as a personal understanding that God has forgiven me. That Jesus gave himself that I might have his name. That his resurrection life might be manifest, might become real to me today. Not as God somewhere up in heaven, but God right here, right now, today. That's what salvation is. Today, God is right here with you. And it's real simple. If anyone wants to know Jesus in that kind of way, just while every eye is closed, heads bowed, just just want you to put your hand up. Just want you to put your hand up. If you want to respond to Jesus, because I just want to pray with you. I just want to pray with you, because this is the first step of the rest of your life being led by God, not just knowing about him, but understanding that his plans and purposes for you. And you could be 90, you could be nine. Anything in between. But that lordship, that name moves from being something you joke about to becoming the name by which you now live. And if you're just, you're just praying, I just want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me and to give me your life. I believe that you died and rose again and I'm putting my trust in you today. And so please, Jesus, be the Lord of everything in my whole life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to obey you, Lord. Bring the right people alongside me to teach me. 
make your word understandable to me so that I can follow you and live for you. In Jesus' name, I'm asking for this, Father. Amen.